What are some of the patterns that are stuck in the brain? We're able to build housing in a much cheaper and faster way. Mom, Dad, look at this. It's so cool. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You've just heard some great tidbits from our show. Stay tuned for the rest. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a firm specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startups. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone. The road to entrepreneurship where we talk with startups, small businesses, and discuss the intellectual property that helps them flourish. And on our show, we have a super special treat. James I. Bond, who is the author of this fantastic book, Brain Glue. And he's a behavioral management and business marketing specialist. And then we have two incredible presenters. I am just, I've been waiting for this all week. Chris and Mia Monsadelis with Power Pony. Oh my gosh, what fun. And then Franco Perez with Franco Mobile Homes. This is not your grandfather's mobile home. I can hardly <laughs> wait to hear these guys talk. But before we get to our distinguished guests, it's time for IP in the news. I went online and IP talent search exam, IPTSC, had a blog, and they think they identified eight famous patent inventions without which our lives would be incomplete. Right. So there's a list of eight. So we're going to ask our... So how could anybody ever even narrow that down to eight inventions? I don't know what I criteria. mean, how do you pick, right? But anyway, that's what they did. And so today on our show, we're going to try something a little bit different. We're going to have a quiz. We're going to ask our guests, Mia and Franco and also James, to try to guess the most important patented inventions ever created. So I'm going to go to Franco first. Shoot. Give us a shot. <laughs> I would say, if we're talking more recent time, could it be the, uh, I'm just shooting in the blank, but like the lightning cable? I don't know if there's patents that work around that for The lightning Apple. cable. Well, you know, you got to admit, that's pretty impressive. I mean, you're pretty close. One of the number three on the list was the computer. Oh, the computer. Right. And, so. and, and Bluetooth. Bluetooth is and Bluetooth. close, too. Yeah, ah. but that was a pretty good guess. James, give us your best shot. Two that I could think of. One is a microphone, which I guess goes to the telephone. I mean, we're using it right now. And ding, it, ding, ding. Being... So telephone is one of the correct answers, Yay! according wow. to the authors of the study. So, <laughs> Mia, do you have any guesses that you'd like to put out there? Maybe a bike. A bike. I would say a bike because you use it a lot. And I feel like no one really can copy the same type of bike. Like, you can't really copy something that's like that uh -huh. unless it's like a scooter. But, like, a bike is a bike. I agree, especially when I was in my early teens. I thought the bike was the greatest invention of the year because <laughs> you could drive around yeah. and you could go anywhere you wanted to. And you didn't have to wait for mom or dad to drive you someplace. You could get there on your own, right? right? So there are actually a lot of patents on bikes that date back to the 1800s. The first patent ever filed was by Filippo Brunelschi in Italy in 1421, and it was for a boat that transported marble on the River Arno. It is interesting that it goes back to the 1400s when patents were first starting their thing. Anyway, Elizabeth, what would be your guess? I think I might say the shower. <laughs> <laughs> How about like a bowl of spaghetti? I right? cannot live without a shower. Oh, that's great. Well, that was amazing. Thank you very much. And now it's time for our distinguished guest, James I. Bond, who's the author of Brain Glue. It's an absolutely phenomenal book because it talks about how to make selling easier by making your ideas sticky. So, James, what is a sticky idea? Well, the brain has patterns. I never realized this before I got into this. I've actually been doing this for 35 years, so I'm old. <laughs> what can I say? But I created a behavioral management firm, one of America's leading behavioral management firms in Southern California. But before that, long before that, I'm from Montreal originally. I had an advertising agency and, you know, worked my way up and eventually won major clients like Kraft, Timex, Avon, Abbott Laboratories, Seagram's, or World Headquarters is there. We had an opportunity to do the anti-drug campaign in America. It was very exciting. And, and I'm a logical person. I have a logical background. I focus on logic. And so we came up with logical reasons why people shouldn't do drugs. And the campaign, they thought this was really good. And then we lost. And who we lost to was this guy that came up with this concept of this holding an egg and said, this is your brain. 
And then he cracked the shell and dropped the egg into a sizzling frying pan and said, this is your brain on drugs. Any questions? And it was profound. And when I saw it, it scared the heck out of me. You know, I mean, because for two reasons, one is because I knew it was a gazillion times better than what we created. But the second thing was, it was emotional selling. And I had no clue how to do emotional selling. I can do logical selling, but not emotional selling. And I realized that they don't teach emotional selling in school. And I went to the library, they don't have, you know, they have superficially covering it, but they don't really teach emotional selling. So what I did was, I took a box, I call it a passion box. And I wrote on a three by five card, your brain on drugs. And I said, I'm going to, every time I get something that's really passionate selling, emotional selling, or eventually emotional quotes, like famous quotes by famous people that are really engaging emotionally, I'm going to write them down and put them in my box, my passion box. In fact, my wife hated going to doctor's offices with me because I'd be reading a magazine. I go, oh, this is fantastic. And she'd go, do not tear it out of the magazine. No, I have to, I have to put in my box. But I started putting them in my box. And eventually, when after we moved to California, John Gray was telling me, how he wrote this fabulous book, Men, Women, and Relationships. Absolutely fabulous. It was like one of the most incredible relationship books you've ever read. But he was frustrated because nobody was, you know, he, he sold a few thousand copies of it. But in one of the seminars he was doing to try to promote the book, he said something and all the women in the audience started laughing hysterically. And the men turned to the women and went, what are they laughing at? What did he say that was so funny? And so one of the women said, it's almost like men are from a different planet. Like, what planet do you think men are from? And uh, he, he said, My, it's almost like men are from Mars. And then everybody in the audience laughed hysterically. Okay. And then he got this crazy idea. What if I change the title of my book from Men, Women, and Relationships to Men are from Mars, Women are from Venus? And then I'll do references inside the book of Men are from Mars, Women are from Venus, but it'll basically be the same book. What do you think happened? Well, the sales well, obviously became overnight. a very, very famous book, right? Exploded. Yeah. It exploded. So, he went from 20,000 books to 50 million books sold. How does that connect with brain glue? There are two major scientists, Gerald Zaltman, who is a Harvard professor, and Daniel Kahneman, who is a Nobel Prize winning psychologist. And both of these guys discovered and demonstrate that more than 90% of decisions we make are emotional. The emotional side of the brain has to be triggered. If you if you throw too much logic or too many numbers at a person, it literally turns off the emotional side of the brain and it's harder to sell them. So what I did was when I got home, I took my passion box and I dumped it on my bed and I said, let me see if there are groupings to understand what are some of the patterns that are in, in stuck in the brain. And so one of them is uh, rhyme, by the way. You know, I remember Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. You know, I remember it's six. I heard it. I think the last time I heard it was like six, over 60 years ago. It sticks to the brain. I started reading your book and there are a number of different things that you talk about besides just rhyme and emotion. There are different metaphors. And I didn't get as far in the book as I would have liked. But I can really see how this could affect a person's business and how people with businesses could really use this. And we always struggle to come up with a tagline, right, or something witty or something that people will remember and relate to. So how does a normal person who's got a business use this? Like, what do we do? The easiest way is to go through the book. So let me give you an example with a construction company I work with, okay? Once I started understanding how this works, I realized... Well, this is powerful and it's, it's helped so many people become massively wealthy. I could start using it on my clients. Let me try. So I had a construction company, these three guys who after 10 years reached 2 million of sales, which that's not bad. In one year, I took them to 10 million and they went to 32 million two years later by applying this. And let me tell you how we applied it. So I said, let's take a whiteboard and make a shopping list of all the different types of clients you go after. And then I said, okay, we're going to play a game. You have to pick one type of client as if you're going to focus just on this one client. You're going to say no to everybody else. And they said, well, we don't really want to do that. We, you know, we say yes to everybody who's got construction. I said, I got it. But that's not how the game is played. Let's pick one. Took a while. They finally said fire restoration for insurance companies. So an insurance company that has somebody that has a fire in construction, you have to check if the frame was damaged. If the frame is damaged, the whole house has to be destroyed. If not, you want to make sure there's a fire is not going to happen again, and et cetera. So I said, let's focus on fire restoration for insurance companies. Okay, great. They were excited about that. And I said, but we need to come up with a phrase that you're going to use with your clients. So fire, the first thing they think of is fire. So why don't we call it fire extinguisher? 
you guys are the fire extinguisher for insurance companies. We'll call your website FireX. And so what you do is you talk to your clients and you say, by the way, we're your fire extinguisher. So whenever you have a client that has a fire, call us because we're your fire extinguisher. And that resonated with their brain so much that they went from two to 10 million in sales in one year and then to 32 million two years later, literally because it planted an idea inside the brain. These tools are really lots of fun. I mean, there's something called chiasmus, which is the opposite of rhyme. It works this way. Winners never quit and quitters never win. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? So how about this as a joke? It's better to wake up and pee than to pee and wake up. (laughs) I have to agree. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. My mother used to say that words are so powerful, and she used to love to tell this story. So these two kids had a race, and the kid that lost, they both went in for lunch. The kid that lost told their mom, I came in in second place, and he came in next to last. (laughs) It's all how you phrase it, right? So we had a behavioral management firm, and we needed to come up with a way to explain it because we deal with so many deep psychological things that can help a company accelerate its growth and change behaviors of people. And so when we described it in technical terms, using left brain, like logic, blah, 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 people's eyes would glaze over. And so we came up with this analogy, and we said, We're like a personal trainer. You know, a personal trainer shows up at your house. You develop a plan with the personal trainer. Maybe by yourself, you can do 10 push-ups. But with a personal trainer, we'll get you to do 20 or 30 push-ups by egging you on and helping you. Well, we do the same thing with your senior people is we'll come in and get them to tackle stuff a little more than they would tackle on their own. And as a result of that, it helps accelerate your company. And when they heard that, they went like, oh, that's interesting. And suddenly it started resonating with them. I have this friend who just has a troubled background and he's just focusing on his background. Warren Buffett had this great line that says, you can't live your life looking in a rearview mirror. You can't, you're not going to get anywhere if, you live, if you're looking in a rearview mirror all the time. So I used that with him and I said, you know, the biggest problem you have is you're living your life looking in a rearview mirror. You're focusing on how life used to be instead of where you want to go. And it took a while, but he finally resonated with him. And then he said, I, said, I asked him, where do you want to go? It was really quite profound because he said, I don't know. Let's see if we can come up with a plan, a description of where you want to go. And then we'll, you know, figure out how to get, how to get you there. It is funny, though, how we remember those kinds of sayings and those kinds of lessons. And so the fire extinguisher example was great. How do you motivate people to find that correct answer, that one single kernel of words that really pull it all together? Well, there are 14 tools that I talk about. The first thing I try to get people to do is analogy, okay? Finish the sentence. It's just like. So pick your idea or your product and say, it's just like, but be as crazy as possible. Pick the most outrageous thing possible. But it's really, really powerful. I mean, think of the show Shark Tank. It's not a tank full of sharks. If they called it the investors group, do you think it would be as popular or successful as Shark Tank? No, probably not. You know, so I was thinking of Rocky, I was watching a show on a history channel about the Rocky Road ice cream and how they came up with Rocky Road ice cream and its sales exploded. They were struggling before that dryer's ice cream. When you open it up, it's not rocks. There's no rocks in it. You know, it's chocolate ice cream with nuts and marshmallows, but it's Rocky Road. It's bumpy like a Rocky Road. So that's kind of cool. The second thing it uses is alliteration. Coca-Cola uses alliteration. PayPal, TikTok. You think if TikTok called itself the Chinese social media platform, it would be successful. (laughs) And also they use humor. Humor is a very powerful tool. Rocky Road ice cream was developed during the Great Depression. The Great Depression had a nickname and they called it the Rocky Road. We're all on a Rocky Road. So their concept was we're on a Rocky Road. We might as well have Rocky Road ice cream. So as people laughed during hard times, they would buy their ice cream. And so humor can be a tremendously powerful tool also. Do you think it's good to use these techniques when you're naming your business or just for particular products? I mean, what's the best strategy around that? Both. You start with the name of your product. Uh, That's the first thing. And then you start developing tools. Like I have uh, for brain glue, I say, why brain glue? Because plain glue doesn't stick to the brain. (laughs) <laughs> so these types of things are really powerful because it resonates with the brain you know the brain goes because huh, we're so bombarded with information you know now we've got it on our phones you can't i mean people are walking down the street and looking at their phones and getting more information you know whether it be text or whatever else and we need something that's going to wake up the brain and stick to the brain i mean when i was young i remember head and shoulders knees and toes eyes ears mouth and nose you know we did with kids okay and so if you're coming up with a dandruff shampoo what's a good name for a dandruff shampoo 
How about head and shoulders? Because it's already inside everybody's brain. And so head and shoulders, Procter & Gamble, blockbuster product, still massively successful. But they recognize that head and shoulders is already in the brain. Why don't we use that? It's absolutely so this- evil that they make us remember these things after all of those <laughs> brain years. Glue. Yes, That's brain glue. But it works. It sticks to the brain. But so and and it's important to note this, okay? Got milk, people think got milk is a great campaign, but from a marketing term, it's a terrible campaign. Uh, there's an article, I have in this article, it's uh, 10 years old from Business Week talking about it says got milked. After $385 million, sales still continue to decline. And the reason is because they're not connecting it with why somebody should buy milk. I mean, I've got a milk mustache book and I got milk campaign. One of my mine of my kids has a milk mustache poster. But if you have lactose intolerance, if you think of the reasons why people stop drinking milk in the first place, you know, you might laugh at the campaign, but you're not going to buy milk. So this woman asked me, she says, help me with my 14-year-old son. My 14-year-old son says, why do we have to follow so many rules in life? Okay, so I, I'm working with her, and I said, so I guess what rhymes with rules? Fools. Only fools don't follow rules. So that's part of it, but let's come up with a, a, a metaphor that's really strong. And so we came up with one, and I sat down with her and her son, and I said, so you asked your mom, why do we have to follow so many rules in life, right? And she said, yeah. I said, well, when you're thirsty, you could drink out of the toilet, but why would you want to? Remember, only fools don't follow rules. And he thinks for a second. He goes, oh, that makes sense. And then I escaped quickly because getting a 14-year-old to say that makes sense is like already (laughs) kind of usual. But the point is, does it really make sense or did I just trigger parts of the brain? They have two political comments, okay? One is you can't hug a child with nuclear arms. Does it make sense? It doesn't really make sense, but it triggers the brain. You go, hmm, okay. You know, and so when we understand there are certain tools that stick to the brain, we can actually activate those tools and get people to buy our product. We have to take a break now, James, but we'll be back with more Passes to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt and our special guest, James I. Bond, right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gerhardt Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gerhardt Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, James I. Bond. What an amazing guest. What amazing advice for anybody, really, business owners, all areas of life. We still have some more time to interview him. I can hardly wait to hear what he says next. I just want to say, though, your name, James I. Bond, is like brain glued to my head now because because it's not only James Bond, but it's James I. Bond, right? I go into a room and everyone goes, he's James Bond. So everyone in the room knows my name and I have to think of everybody else's name. So that's really tough. I is Ian. And it turns out Ian Fleming, I was born before the movies, but after the books. And my parents say it's a total coincidence. I don't believe them, but that's what they say. So I don't believe them. Didn't believe them. <laughs> but that is a sticky name. And the name of your book is Brain Glue. And we're talking mm-hmm. about how if you word things right, you can get whatever you're trying to sell or get people interested in stuck in their brains, right? Not only that, but if you have a really product that you think is fabulous, or if you have an idea you think is fabulous, why struggle when there's a simple way to connect it to brain glue so that you can actually make it say it in such a way that people want to buy the product? You know, there's a product called Squatty Potty, you know, and it's a couple in Utah that were sitting in the bathroom and they came up with this idea of like having a little stool that when you go to the bathroom, so it simplifies the position of your body. They came up with the idea of squatty potty. If they called it the toilet stool, do you think it would be as successful as squatty potty? No. 
a couple who had no business experience went from zero to a hundred million dollars of sales in less than two years. I mean, and they got a shark tank and all that stuff. But the point was people started laughing. <laughs> they're laughing while they're getting ready to buy. Where do I buy this thing? And so here's what Brain Glue does. It lights the fire of desire in your buyer. Oh it's boy, passage, that's a good passage, one. Passage to profit, road to entrepreneurship. It's not a road. We're not on a road, but you understand that visually you create this road to entrepreneurship and it's just, it, it feels, oh, good. I can relate to this more than if you just said, well, we're going to help you be successful in business. That's not the same. And so you recognize that. So I want to talk about this thing about Marilyn Monroe, because a lot of people don't know this about Marilyn Monroe. But first, to set this up, there's a term called redintegration, not reintegration, but redintegration, which is the brain's need for completion. What's the most powerful tool of human interaction? I'm using it now, aren't I? Can you tell what I'm doing? I'm asking questions, aren't I? When yes. we hear a question, the brain wants to answer it. Okay, I'll say it to an audience and it'll eventually stop answering or stop nodding your heads. I said, so you're still answering it in your head, aren't you? And they go, yeah, okay. Redintegration is the brain's need for completion. That's why we like symmetry. So I go into uh, the living room and my wife is watching a TV show. I said, is this any good? She said, no, it's terrible. So I said, why are you watching it? Well, I want to see how it turns out, okay? <laughs> because they created a problem. I've been guilty so, of that. Yeah, well, welcome to the club. Okay, so redintegration is the brain's need for completion. But there's also asymmetry which is when we recognize the brain likes completion. And so we're going to add a twisted ending to it. Comedians love that. So let me talk about Marilyn Monroe for a second, because a lot of people don't know this about Marilyn Monroe and Cindy Crawford and some others. So Marilyn Monroe, when she was young, she was uh, Norma Jean. And it was a manager or somebody that came up with the name Marilyn. And I think it's her stepfather named Monroe. So she came up with a Marilyn Monroe. Second is she loved Jean Harlow. Jean Harlow was a famous actress at the time. And Jean Harlow had platinum blonde hair. And so she, what she did was she got the same hairdresser that worked with Jean Harlow's hair to dye her hair the same color, okay, platinum blonde. But Marilyn has, on her left cheek, she has a beauty mark. And so she covered up with makeup. But one day she's sitting and looking at photographs of Jean Harlow, and she notices that in some photographs, Jean Harlow has a beauty mark on her cheek, and in some of them she has it on her chin. And she goes, wait a second, I bet she doesn't even have a beauty mark. I bet she's putting a dot on her face to bring attention to herself. And so from that point forward, what Marilyn Monroe did, and by the way, it's amazing how many people do this now, Marilyn Monroe highlighted the beauty mark instead of hiding the beauty mark. And she believed that that was one of the many reasons why she became massively successful. If you look at Cindy Crawford, Cindy Crawford has a story that she tells that she has a beauty mark above her lip on her left side, I think. And when she was a little girl, she begged her mom, mommy, please, can you get this removed? And her mommy didn't. And she says now, I am so glad my mom didn't get it removed because I believe I became a supermodel because of that beauty mark. And what made me think of it first was, and start researching this, David Ogilvy was an early advertising executive, and he did ads for Hathaway shirts. What would you do? You'd have a good-looking guy wearing a Hathaway shirt and nice pants in a nice environment, okay? And you see that everywhere. So uh, an ad is an ad is an ad. They all look the same. What he did was he said, let's put an eye patch on this guy. He's not a pirate, but let's put an <laughs> eye patch on this guy. And because of the eye patch, it's asymmetry. Have you ever heard the song? You've probably heard the song. I was standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, such a fine sight to see. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford slowing down to take a look at me. Okay, the eagle course, song, yeah, right? right. Mm -hmm. So guess what? They were not trying to sell Winslow, Arizona, but that song is so powerful and so famous that it turned Winslow, Arizona into a tourist spot. In fact, this lady... <laughs> I was talking to who's not even from Winslow, from another Arizona city. He said, have you ever been to Winslow? It's a hole in the wall. But what they did was they put up a statue of a lamppost with a guy leaning on a lamppost. And it has a, a text written in it. It's in brass standing on the corner. And then she was telling me they have to put a flatbed fort <laughs> with a girl in it right next to it. So people who are tourists who stop there can take pictures of that because there's nothing else to take a picture of in Winslow, Arizona. <laughs> they didn't even try to sell it. And yet, just because they included it in a song that became popular, it made the city famous. Yeah, I guess that really speaks a lot to the people who are truly creative geniuses in the arts especially, they have a special knack of finding those words that really kind of resonate and don't go away. The lyrics you just mentioned, they're, they're kind of nonsensical, right? They don't really mean a lot, yet somehow, some way, we remember these things. But if I'm an entrepreneur and I want to put these techniques to work for myself, 
what do I do? Get my book. We also have an audiobook, so you can listen to part of the audiobook. And the audiobook, we have this guy, and he tells this story, so I don't want to ruin it, but it tells a story about a city in Canada. I'm originally from Canada, so when we heard the name of this city, we laughed as kids. Well, they created an outrageous tagline for it. So outrageous that Madonna and Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones repeat it to their audiences of thousands when they're playing. That's how crazy it is. You know, we forget that there are certain things that stick to the brain. Uh, So a lot of people don't know this, okay? I'm going to tell you a slogan and tell me who you think the company is that used the slogan. Now, they stopped using it in America, but they use it all around the world. Screw yourself. Whose slogan is that? And by the way, when you hear who it is, you're going to go, that makes sense. I get it. I give up. Ikea. Ah. You buy stuff from Ikea. The first thing you have to do is you have to screw the darn thing yourself. You have to make it yourself. I get the sense of humor part, but I just wonder what kind of message that. Yeah. (laughs) Stop doing it in North America because they said, no, it's offensive and we're going to stop doing it in North America. And they apologized. Okay. They still have it around the world. James, I will say I started reading your book. I haven't gotten to the part yet that's going to tell me how to do it for my business. So I'm going to tell you how to do it. Okay. When you get to the end of the book, it tells you how to get a guide. It's like a game. And the game takes the elements and gets you putting them together. There are two levels. First, you have to help people understand the tools. And I have exercises in the book, so I get you practicing. But the guide makes it easier. It's like a game. We're not inventing something. We're discovering something that already exists. I'm amazed how many comedians use this. I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Some days both sound pretty good to me. Anyway, we have to break for a commercial. You're listening to Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt on Passage to Profit, and we'll be back with more show right after this message. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years. Hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world. QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me. Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Special guest, James I. Bond, the author of Brain Glue. But before we move on to our presenters today, I'd like to introduce Elizabeth Gearhart, who's going to be talking about her projects. Well, thank you so much for the introduction, Richard. I don't think anybody knew who I was. (laughs) Anyway, I have a video directory called Blue Streak Directory. It's I'm trying to think of the right words, and I was reading James' book and thinking, how could I apply this to Blue Streak, and what can I use for a sticky tagline? It's a video directory, small business owners, and it's based on service type, not on location, although location is a piece of it. And 30-second videos, so because people really don't pay attention longer than that, but what I'm trying to encourage everybody to do is to figure out their hook and put that in their 30-second video. So... I've been working on that. I'm still working on it. I have made some strategic partnerships in the last few months. And I actually have a design for my website that my website designer gave me. And I really like it. It's clean. It's crisp. It really conveys what the site is about. So I'm excited for that. And I'm going to be moving that forward. And then I also have a podcast of my own that I do with a partner, actually. Her name is Danielle Woolley. And we are both cat lovers. And Richard and I got this kitten. Well, I got the kitten. Richard said, okay, a year ago almost. And it had a real issue with scratching all the fur off its face and neck. And I couldn't figure out why. I took it to multiple vets. I spent thousands and finally figured out the problem. But in the meantime, I started this podcast with Danielle Woolley, hoping to get input from the community about, has anybody else ever seen this problem with a cat and how did they solve it? It is called the Jersey Pod Cats Podcast. We're building our community. We're having a lot of fun with that. That is the update on my businesses, Blue Streak Directory and the Jersey Podcasts. Now it is time for our guest, a father-daughter pair. I am so excited about this. Chris and Mia 
Manzadelis with Power Pony. Welcome, you two. Tell us all about it. Hi, thank you. So basically, Power Pony is the only rideable pony. It's so fun. You can ride it anywhere. And my story is when I was pretty young, I always wanted to ride a horse, and my parents said, Mia, you can't put it in the backyard. And I was like, why can't I put my horse in the backyard? And they said no. So I was like, okay. And then Christmas was like a week or two later, so I asked for a plush horse and a hoverboard, and I got that, and I was so happy. But I got the plush horse, and I just wanted to move around, like be able to move, but I had to move it with my feet because I couldn't, like, ride it without anything else like I couldn't like drag it like it was really hard so I tried a bunch of things to make like an actual moving horse I tried cardboard but then I showed it to my dad my dad was like Mia what happens when you sit on it and I was like "Ah, I guess that's not gonna work so then (laughs) I went into the garage and then I saw the hoverboard and the plush horse and I was like what happens if I put the plush horse over the hoverboard and see if that will move? And I did, and I was zooming all around the house, and I showed my parents, and I was like, Mom, Dad, look at this. It's so cool. And then my dad was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then we got a design team together, and I had to try so many samples. Like, a lot of them didn't work until we got a perfect one, and here we are with the Power Pony. All right. And we're in the iHeart Studios in Manhattan on 55th Street. And Mia brought the pony. She and her dad brought the pony. And she rode it all over the studio. (laughs) There were some pretty jealous people there watching that. And Kenya Gibson, our media maven, said, you know, we've had a lot of stars in this building, but this is the first time we've ever had a power pony. So Chris will be the first to say that, yes, Mia invented this. But Chris, you brought a little bit of knowledge to this project. I I, I want to say I'm very grateful to be here because Mia has turned into just an incredible media sensation. Power Pony's been on The Ellen Show. Mia herself was on The Kelly Clarkson Show. Uh, Mario Lopez and Access Hollywood did a feature on Power Pony. She's done multiple podcasts. She's traveled all over the country. But we have never been here anywhere together to really tell the whole story. So this is a first that I, we were really excited to share the story together. I spent about 25 years uh, in management consulting and in various executive leadership roles for consumer goods companies in sports, in health and wellness. And then, of course, my last post as vice president of North America for one of the world's largest apparel providers. And many of those jobs required me to travel a lot. And me, uh, uh, as a young girl, while I was commuting back and forth to California at the time, just had this uh, unwavering passion and persistence around horses. So we introduced her to riding and equestrian lessons, thinking that that might just satisfy this desire and quench and passion for horses. But it didn't. I mean, she was just an unwavering, relentless pursuit to have her own horse. And anybody that's from New York knows that um, Long Island is just a tough place in general (laughs) to find a horse country. And so um, we, we tried to explain that, but she never gave up and put multiple variations of different ideas together over, you know, a few years until this, you know, this one moment where she used this, you know, standing plush horse put it on top of a scooter, and it was, uh, a, a, it was a light bulb moment. And so, of course, you know, um, through my network and people that I had worked with for many years in consumer goods, we began to engage and retain industrial designers and engineers, and the process began. First, we, of course, we wanted proof of concept. You know, can this imagination, uh, imagined by kids for kids, is a trademark that Mia owns, because this is how this business was built. This was the imagination of a child This was something that she was passionate about and she absolutely was going to have. And there was nothing available on the market anywhere, anything like it. And so once we had proof of concept, then, you know, the the story just started to unfold. And as Mia so well articulated, although she explained that she didn't tell everybody how difficult it was. Yeah, it took a long time. I mean, the samples, it took time because we kept getting sent new samples like every week almost. And... We would try, we'd be like, this is going to be the one. And then 
you know, something would be wrong with it. But when me and my dad were like upset about it and we were just very upset and mad, we never gave up on it and it worked out perfectly. I kept saying, Dad, just because this one didn't work doesn't mean that the next one's not going to work. And I proved my point. It did work. She definitely proved her <laughs> point. I mean, there was moments in there where we were in the tunnel very deeply. And you couldn't just quite see the light at the end of it. But she was very committed. She was very determined. Dad, on a couple of occasions, was quite emotional with some of the <laughs> you know, uh, product failures that we experienced oh in yeah. the iterations. You know? it, it must have been really tough sometimes. I mean, so... Let me ask you, first of all, if you haven't seen the Power Pony, you need to go to the PowerPony.com website and take a look at it because it's just the most beautifully designed horse, right? And the power, though, is on the front legs instead of the back legs. So how did you decide that that was the best place to put the power in the engine for the pony? Well, I mean, Mia, if you want to jump in here, you can. But really what she was trying to do was build something that rode like a real horse, a horse that she could ride anywhere, anytime, right? And Yeah. One of the reasons was is because we wanted to put the Zoom-powered engine in the front. Was that so that the back legs, we thought it would be cool to make everything like light up almost. Mm-hmm. And we liked how it looked. We thought that it would be a little bit complicated because obviously you need to use your feet to move it around and the weight pressure to go forward and backwards, left and right. But we thought it would be too complicated to do if we did the um, zoom-powered engine in the back because then how would you move it? Mm-hmm. So we were like, the front, oh, you could sit on the saddle, you could put your feet on the Zoom-powered engine, and then it would move around. Well, so, so not only are you a celebrity, but you're also an engineer, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, this, so, Mia, this thing doesn't just go in a straight line backwards and forwards, right? No, it can go backwards and forwards. But that's not all it does, is what I'm no, saying. No, it, it could pivot around. Honestly, you don't need that much room to ride either. You could just ride in circles, and it's still fun, but you can go outside, you can ride on grass, you could ride on the streets— you can pivot around, you can go straight, backwards, you can go as fast as you want. And then we have an app that you can control the speed if you want it on beginner, intermediate, and advanced. So is that something that, is that sort of like a little bit of parental control there? So when people are first (laughs) learning to use the horse, right, you don't want to go so fast that it's dangerous, like you go flying off a curb or something. (laughs) And one of the things that we noticed about using foot controls and two independent engines, which are powered by Zoom, one of our trademarks, registered trademarks, was that you had this ability with an ultra quiet engine on both sides to have a zero foot turning radius. So you're not required any length of space to turn the power pony around. As Mia explained, you could spin, you could pivot, you could race, you can go straight. And yes, the iOS app was built to allow parents to manage the speed levels of the product and allow kids to progressively grow with the product and improve their skills and at the right time can go into advanced settings. I mean, my best friend, she has a power pony and she has the app and You could change your pony's name, and whenever her little sister wants to go on it, she puts on the app, either beginner or intermediate for her, and she still has so much fun, and sometimes they'll even play music on it. You can connect, so you could play music, so it's really fun. James, do you have any thoughts or questions? I was checking her website. It looks awesome. I've got to get one from one of my grandkids. This is fantastic. I'm going to trade you a power pony for some of your brain glue, I think. <laughs> I, I was listening very closely, and I was uh, very much impressed with, with your knowledge of, of how the brain works and asking questions and human nature of avoidance of pain and gain of pleasure and how products can become emotional. And one of the things that, you know, uh, Mia and I and many other people that are around me that I had a lot of great mentors over the years – We struggled with a name. Eventually, this power pony just stuck. I mean, we we are the world's only powered rideable pony, and power pony just made so much sense. And, of course, that's a registered trademark, and uh, we moved forward with that. But how did we do there? What do you think, Mr. Bond? How did we do I thought you did fabulously, but you're— There are two sides to this, but also Mia's a model for young kids to help us understand that young kids have creativity 
that goes beyond us. I We go into like brainstorming rooms and I, I want to bring kids in because kids, they understand things and they appreciate things and get things faster than we do often because we're so stuck in like our ways. Here's how we have to do it and everything. Kids go, hey, powerpony.com. It's like, it's fun. Yeah, well, you should have seen her writing around the studio. She's <laughs> <laughs> like twirling around like yeah, Cinderella. Yeah, you know, it was that. amazing. So how many units are you guys selling? We have sold over... 20,000. Wow. That's a lot of powerful yeah, you're ponies. You're just the tip of the iceberg. More people see it, more people go to powerpony.com, the more people are going to say, I've got a grandson or a granddaughter, I mean, or I think the grandsons are going to be disappointed if you give it to a girl instead of a boy. Well, there is a black one, which I think the boys would like. And two of them are yeah. unicorns, right? Yeah, we have Princess. Princess is a pink unicorn. We have Crystal. She is a white unicorn. We actually have Princess with us, and then we have Champ, he is a brown horse, and then we have Hero, which is the black horse. Mostly, the girls go with the unicorns and the boys go with the horses, but a lot of girls do still go for the horses. But if you want to go into, like, fantasy land and ride a unicorn, there's your unicorn. That's great. Have you ever had any power pony horse races? Yes, me and my friends actually do it all the time. We have a lot the of pony derby. Yeah, we have a lot of power ponies at my house, and me and my friends will go outside and we'll race from like the stop sign till the end of the street, and then whoever wins gets candy well, or something. They get bragging rights, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. My power pony is better than yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the product is super fun. It's very intuitive. It's very interactive. I never had the courage to do anything uh, in the consumer goods space myself. Over many years, you know, managing and leading many very well-known consumer brands uh, and, and companies. Uh, but when she came up with this, uh, she gave me the courage to help support this dream and this product. And um, it's just been an incredible thing. Yeah, over 20,000 units sold. So it's it's uh, it's been an amazing thing. That's an amazing number, Chris. So is this your full-time gig now? or I, I think I'm the first guest on your show that can tell you that I work for my 12-year-old daughter, Mia Montanellis. <laughs> so yes. And by the way, it's not as easy as it looks. Trust me. She's quite demanding. She has very, you know, very clear vision of what she wants to do with colors and and what's coming next in terms of new animals and and other ride-ons and so it's quite fun are you selling overseas as well right now we are only selling at powerpony.com in the u.s well, hopefully you can expand that out because you're really depriving a lot of children overseas. We're, we're trying. <laughs> we're working very hard. And we get a lot of requests from okay. Europe and Canada on an ongoing basis. I bet you do. Yeah. That's great. I just want everyone to know that it took me a long time and it gave me the courage to never give up on anything that I do. And it's crazy how far I have come because... I went from having just a pony and a hoverboard to now having my own product. And I just want everyone to know to never give up and that you should always work to your craft and just keep going with your dream. Excellent advice. Thank you, Mia. So An inspiration to us all. Right. Absolutely. Very Everybody so, go to yes. powerpony.com. Yes. Really inspiring. I wish I was that smart at 12. but I wish I was <laughs> you know too. <laughs> but now... I am really interested in this next product, too, because this is not what I expected at all. When I saw this person's website, Franco Perez, his website is francomobilehomes.com. I'm like, mobile homes, really? Like, are people still living in those anymore? <laughs> but this is not your grandpa's mobile home, right? Oh, absolutely not. And, and thanks for bringing that up because, you know, what we're really trying to do is beautify these bad stigmas around it. Coming from where I came from, I came from kind of a very poor family trying to make ends meet at rent. I really wanted to focus on something that I was passionate about as well, which is trying to create affordable housing for like the middle class and for low income families, the teachers out there, the construction workers that don't get to benefit with home ownership. So I really seeked out to try to find ways that how can we get these benefits for these working class people and Come to find out there's tons of mobile home parks in these major city areas like the Bay Area, L.A., San Diego. Um, and through these mobile homes, we're converting a lot of these old trailer-like homes like you mentioned 
and converting them to very beautiful 1,600-square-foot homes, 12-foot-high ceilings, and as contemporary and beautiful as we can, and building them in very key areas that allow middle-class people to be able to live in these areas. And that's something that I've always wanted to do, and it's been an amazing journey to be able to help families. So you're calling them mobile homes because they're in mobile home parks. Exactly. But you can't really, like my grandpa had one. He could have hooked it up to his truck and driven off, but you can't do that with (laughs) these, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, and and that's the thing is that these are in areas where originally they're not high-density areas. If you imagine the Bay Area was just the farmland before, but these were the first type of housing there. But there are all these parks, these mobile home parks that are there with homes that are still built in the 70s and still have hitches, but they're in prime location. They're across the street from Google, right? And same like what Chris said is like we had to prove our concept in the beginning, taking a very old home, finding funding and people that believe in us to build out a very beautiful home. And then once people can actually imagine and see how beautiful these homes can be, all drywall, granite countertops, whatever it is. And why wouldn't I live there? If the alternative is to rent for $4,000 a month or buy like a $1.6 million home and there's nothing in between, it becomes a perfect solution for people. And then once people started seeing how this really works and how it's helping people be able to get away from paying rent every month, now they're starting to be able to see that this is something that we can continue to do and not just in the Bay, but in any expensive area to be able to afford housing. Wow, that's really an underserved market. And it's really a beautiful story. I've been on your website and you have some of the most beautiful homes, interiors. I mean, these are like just gorgeous, like almost luxury level interiors. I find that very exciting. What do the banks think about funding these? Do they do it the same way they would do a house? So I was just at this Congress meeting, and we're working on new funding solutions for these. Your typical banks don't do it, but we also have our finance department that helps find 25-year mortgages for these. So there are loans specific to these in these parks and communities. How many homes have you sold? And can you give us an average or understanding of maybe what the pricing is like? Just like real estate, it's relative to the area that it's in. So in the Bay Area, for example, average rent for a one-bedroom apartment is about 3000 a month. The median home price for a single-family home is $1.6 million, right? So the new homes that we're building are around three hundred fifty to 400000 which is a bit more attainable because if you think about the people that are renting, that their dream of home ownership is completely out the window because they'll have to come up with a six-digit down payment. They'll have to come up with an $8,000 mortgage for a single-family home. Now, with a mobile home, they can come up with just $30,000 and a similar payment to what they would pay for rent. And it allows for, like I keep bringing up these teachers because a lot of them are people that we're able to really help out. And I, I love teachers. And for them to be able to have a place to live and not have to commute or move out of the area because so many people are moving out of these high-density areas because there's no other options. But yeah, that's kind of how the pricing model works. But of course, like in other areas, like Phoenix, for example, the price points and ratios are much lower, but same concept. Do you have to pay a monthly fee to be in the park? There is. There is. So the way I tell people is it's normally... (laughs) Like a third of your payment will go towards that monthly fee. It's kind of like a high HOA is what I put it Mm -hmm. because you have amenities like the swimming pool and that sort of thing. But you're also, yes, you are leasing the land, but you are owning that asset above. And there's a lot of misconceptions that they depreciate or deteriorate where we're actually finding that they're appreciating at a very fast rate. We help families that their homes have appreciated by like 80,000 in two years in many areas. But that's the thing is we're trying to really educate people because where I came from, we aren't taught a lot of the wealth building things that we should be taught. We're only taught career, career, and that's it. Mm -hmm. But we're not really taught that housing and building assets is one of those key principles to be able to get ourselves ahead, Mm -hmm. right? And those with a good job sometimes aren't able to make it that well because they've never been able to own a home or have an investment that worked out well for them. And then we have people that aren't making that much that have good real estate or assets that have been very successful and very financially secure. And that's what we try to teach. And we try to create options and a lower barrier of entry for people to have those benefits. 
financially. James, do you have any thoughts or questions? I was just thinking of some of the names. Tiny giant luxury mobile homes. Because what you're saying is this is a luxury mobile home. And so the first thing you want to let them know is you want to put that in a name or in a subtitle of what it is. It's a movement that's just growing like crazy because people still want to live in a nice home, but it doesn't have to be that big when you start to realize you can actually have a luxury home in a small space that just blows your mind. These aren't truly mobile homes. These are homes in a mobile home park. So Mm -hmm. you really are a new category putting luxury where there used to not be luxury. So there has to be a way to describe that. I mean, I wouldn't even call them mobile homes. Mm -hmm. I know you have to because they're going in the parks, but... One concept of what really keeps our homes affordable, too, is that when you consider it tied to real estate, regulations are very heavy. So what's interesting is building a home itself takes about 70000 in just paperwork, just permitting and that sort of thing. And the technicality of us saying that this isn't really technically real estate, we avoid that kind of in a loophole way, and we're able to build housing in a much cheaper and faster way. One thing I got to mention, too, is we can convert an old home to a brand new 1,600 square foot in less than three months. Now, if you do that on a single family property on land, the average is eight to 12 months. And one of the pros to this is that the government still doesn't really understand what this is. So they're not really regulating it heavily, which, of course, I love. But, yeah, that's one of the big pros, too, as well. Do you also build second homes on properties? Because I noticed that some people have like a parent or a family member and they want to, they've got a large piece of property and they want to build a a, a tiny home on that property. Do you guys do that too? It, It is an arm that we do. It's not our big focus. Our real focus is really in these parks and communities. But building housing in factories is another big movement that people really have to understand Mm -hmm. as well is because Mm -hmm. we're having a huge construction shortage. We're having a lot of problems on how we can build homes. A lot of our skilled labor is actually older generation people that are now retiring. And we're not getting millennials or Gen Z that are excited about working with a hammer or drywall and that sort of thing. So we really have to improve the process of how we build housing. And that's something that we're really trying to prove what we're doing is a fast way of building housing. And it's the future of how we should build housing. Everything we own, these laptops, iPhones, are all built in factories with fast, streamlined processes. And the way we build homes have always been the same for 80 plus years. And it's actually declining in progress of how we build them, which shouldn't be that way because housing is so important. And if we don't streamline that, the cost of these homes and building it is getting worse and worse. What blows me away on your website, and I would encourage everybody to go watch this because it was so cool. He shows the trucks transporting the homes to the lots. Is there one part where you said a drone helps with it? We do that sometimes, yeah. Yeah, but it's amazing to watch these big two halves of a home go on to a lot, right? And exactly. then you s- so it gives the word double wide a whole new meaning. Oh, right? yeah. oh totally. <laughs> <laughs> and then you put them together on the lot. So that video is so cool. I would just encourage everybody. It, what's the name of your website? All of our links are on franco.tv that shows like all of our social medias and that sort of thing. It's F-R-A-N-C-O. And then, yeah, we have our YouTube channel, and we really love showcasing the beauty of how this can be done because, like we talk here, is like we can talk about it, but until you really see how beautiful these homes are, we really push the limits to as contemporary as we can quartz waterfall countertops, really breaking these stigmas as hard as we can. Even your appliances are high end. Oh, yeah. We really compete a lot with luxury apartments because the way I see it is a lot of younger generations are being fooled into getting into rental leases with these apartments. And then at the end of this, you know, they live there for three, four years. They end up with nothing, you know, and I'm very passionate about trying to get people to understand that if you just shift that payment somewhere else, maybe it is mobile home and that isn't comforting to you. But at the end of the comparison, you'll end up with an extra 90000 in your pocket just by living somewhere else with the same payment, right? And these are things that can really move the needle for people. So we really try to make the appliances, the lifestyle, and everything that we can, as beautiful as we can, to really help people understand the value. That's really amazing. And as we said before, what you're really doing is really opening up a whole new market to thinking about housing. And so very commendable. I'm very excited about your project. Oh, thank you so much. And where can people learn more about Franco Homes? Franco.tv has most of our links, but you can Google us at Franco Mobile Homes is the name of the company. Listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit, The Road to Entrepreneurship with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest today, James 
I, Bond, who was fantastic. Listen to the podcast tomorrow if you missed any of it because you really want to hear what these people had to say. But we're not done yet. We'll be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent trademark and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. It's Passage to Profit. Now it's time for Noah's Retrospective. Noah Fleischman is our producer here at Passage to Profit, and he just has a way of putting his best memories in perspective. Back when I was in high school, just about 40 years ago, I read a great book, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Remember him? He wrote about a futuristic society where people would get together and congregate on Sundays to pray to the founders of industry. Yikes! Thank goodness that isn't us today. It's not like we're that reliant upon our products to have to actually, uh, uh, Alexa, what's the word? Oh. Well, you know what? It's almost 100 years since that book was written. Maybe it is time for us to get real and honest about just how important these devices are in our lives. I mean, at this point, they're not a part of our lives anymore. They are our lives. Maybe some of the technology stores and phone shops could create prayer aisles and worship corners for those times when repair becomes quite that dire. It might even lead to a whole new vernacular in the world, come to think of it. I could just see it now, people sitting in front of their computers worldwide, and all of a sudden the internet starts to get shaky, or the picture starts to buffer, and all of a sudden they'll look up and say, Oh, for the love of Gates! Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Welcome back, everybody. We are winding down a little bit, but if you haven't had a chance to hear the whole show, it's definitely worth a full listen. So anywhere you get your podcast, look for Passage to Profit show, and you can download it and listen to it as many times as you like. And if you really like it, leave a, a nice comment or a thumbs up for us. We'd appreciate that. So... It is time for the question. I'm going to start with James I. Bond. What's a good business decision that you've made this year? The original title of my book was Sell More with the Right Brain Marketing Strategy. And I got Jack Canfield to take a look at the book. And Jack Canfield sold 500 million copies of Chicken Soup for the Soul. So if he tells you something, I guess it's okay. But he said, you have to change the title. So I changed the title. I'm glad I did because people finally said to me they could never remember the title of the book. For me, the greatest thing was changing the title. Well, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations, like being able to do that, because that is a hard thing when you really have something settled and then you have to change it. But I love the title Brain Glue. So Mia Manzadellis, what is the best business decision or a good business decision that you've made this year? The best was to put PowerPony into Target, which will be going into Target in this fall. I met with them in person and we talked about where we wanted to go and I told them all about the PowerPony. And I think that putting PowerPony this coming fall is going to be probably the best decision that I've made. Franco, Franco with a C, what's a good business decision you've made this year? Franco Perez. Switching to video and creating video content about what we do (laughs) is a big game changer for us because like we were talking about earlier, visuals are, are so important. Not only that, but we also have a lot of explainers that really teach people how this is helping you gain wealth and that sort of thing. But the switch to creating video content Short-term videos, long-term videos, you really got to create a variety. But we've spent a lot of time really pushing that out because that's one of our biggest hurdles. And and ever since then, we've gotten attention from like Congress and and government entities to really help make this movement happen. Well, I will say your videos are very powerful. I really enjoyed watching the ones that you had on your website. Oh, thanks. 
I think my best business decision this year for Blue Streak, the video directory, was to start networking again because I really want to focus on the directory part, but I need peripheral things like people to have their videos done, to be able to figure out what their hook is, to be able to communicate effectively on this directory so that people actually want to go further with them. This in-person networking again, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm glad that we're able to do that again. So our guest was James I. Bond, author of Brain Glue, Behavioral Management and Business Marketing Specialist. And boy, really incredible content, really incredible advice. So go to Amazon, then you can find him on LinkedIn too. And then we had Mia and Chris Manzadelis with Power Pony, powerpony.com. You'll get to see the spinning princess on her beautiful Power Pony, and it's just a lot of fun. And then we had Franco Perez, F-R-A-N-C-O, with francomobilehomes.com. These aren't really mobile homes. These are a hybrid, I guess. These are the next step up. These homes will blow you away, and they're affordable. It's a whole new category of real estate. And then our host, Richard Gearhart of Gearhart Law. He helps people get patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Definitely check us out on gearhartlaw.com. Before we go, I'd like to thank the Passage to Profit team, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program director, and Mark Wilson, our our syndication manager. Our podcast can be found tomorrow anywhere you find your podcast. Just look for the Passage to Profit show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, while the information on this program is believed to be correct, never take a legal step without checking with your legal professional first. Gearheart Law is here for your patent, trademark, and copyright needs. You can find us at gearheartlaw.com and contact us for a free consultation. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week.